Good afternoon, Joanne. How are you? Good afternoon, Patricia. I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Fabulous. I am so happy to have you here. So welcome to Thriving in Construction, the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm very privileged to be here. Thank you. Joanne, please tell me, uh, tell us about you. You have such a diverse knowledge and wealth of experience. So can you give us an overview of, of who you are, not only personally, but also professionally and your impact to the construction industry? Well, I will say that I have been in the construction industry for quite some time now, and I started in what's known as the surety industry out of law school, basically. I um, decided that I uh, was going to go back to work, although actually the truth is my husband was like, I didn't marry you to stay at home. So he found me a job in the surety industry as a lawyer. Uh, I met him in law school and um, he graduated a year before me. And then before I knew it, I was married to this guy and he's trying to get me working. <laughs> so I wound up in surety and it, it was random because I really didn't know anything about the surety industry at the time. And um Remember uh, in law school that the only thing I remember is it's a tripartite three party relationship. So um, I interviewed and I wound up in the salvage division of a company called Fidelity and Deposit Company of Maryland. And I stayed there for uh, about eight years and then wound up in true claim department where I really learned everything I needed to know about the value of the surety product um, as I was handling claims and actually making sure that substance suppliers got paid if they hadn't been paid by the GCs and making sure that um, the performance bond, that is that the contractors were completing their projects according to their terms and conditions. And so I kind of became an expert at claim handling through handling a, a huge construction default called Marson Knudsen, which was a, a gigantic company that wound up in bankruptcy. So I traveled around the country, basically adjusting that claim, which was for rail cars. Marson Knudsen was building rail cars and it was the first time that they actually started doing that and realized that they really didn't have the expertise that they needed. So long story longer, <laughs> I uh, handled that claim and it actually was a, a great success for the surety industry. We wound up selling off the company uh, that we had created to complete the projects. And then I went back to claim handling and I was kind of like, hmm, maybe my career isn't really going um, where I wanted it to go. So I accepted a job with another surety company who was going to basically promote me. And then um, my boss at um, F&D came back and said, we don't want to lose you. We want to create a department and we're going to make you a vice president of risk management for uh, the company. Wow. And at that time, I was the first uh, woman, minority woman ever to really have a position at that level at that company. And um, I, from there, I started doing a whole bunch of different things. I wound up in, in risk engineering for Zurich, who had purchased F&D. Wow. And then before long, I was back in surety, <laughs> working on international surety as a risk manager. And then I became the risk manager for all of surety. And then I became the chief underwriting officer for Zurich, and which was an, an awesome um, opportunity. I, I've had a great career, but I will say that from a woman perspective and as a minority person, I probably am the only person in the world who's actually done what I've done. <laughs> 
So it's kind of cool in that way. Yeah, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. I, I met you. you actually when you were still working for, who, you were not working for Zurich, Yeah, right? no, I left when Zurich. I, I worked for another um, surety company for about 18 months. And then I wound up at the surety and fidelity. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, the uh, association, the surety and fidelity association uh, of America, where I was then a lobbyist. And that's really where I learned the, the value, well, I, I would say it's more that I learned how important it is to really talk about surety in a different way, because I learned that the small emerging and minority contractors had a negative view of surety. And because of my career and representing some of the largest contractors in the world, I really have a passion personally for helping others. And um I actually believe it's a calling <laughs> from God. And I know, Patricia, that you understand what I'm saying there, that, um, you know, to really help somebody and be of value. And surety is such a nuanced area. So as a vice president uh, and, gen- and and counsel for um, SFAA, I was able to really travel the country promoting the product of surety and meeting contractors. And I've met some really amazing people. And Patricia, you were one of those uh, people that I met. And immediately we became uh, friends. And, you know, I've watched and helped you work with your company in giving advice and just, you know, listening to what your goals are. And that really is what this is about. You know, how do we take the information that we know and translate it to help others build um, sustainable legacy businesses? So uh, you were well on your way when I met you. So I was so proud of you. And it's it's been a real pleasure to to um, watch you work in your company and develop it. But, you know, always um, surety is always in the background for me because I see it as an opportunity to uh, explain how to empower um, businesses and use surety to really grow and be more successful. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I am very proud of you. You know, you you work really hard to be where you are. And I I from from the moment I met you, I knew you were very sophisticated a wealth of knowledge, an amazing heart, a lover of God, and very, very passionate to help people and diversity and inclusion. So I want to take the moment to ask you about diversity and inclusion, because I know that's a passion of yours. And, and so it is of mine. And, and when we talk about diversity and inclusion, often people think it's just about you know, the color, you know, some people think diversity in business or in an industry, it's just that you want, you know, it's, they immediately think about the the color, but, but I don't think that's the case and neither do you. So can you elaborate in what, what's your take on diversity? Yeah, well, it's interesting what you're saying to me because I almost, I, I see it almost in reverse. I think that our industry as a whole focused first on women, and then it became a color issue, uh, racial equity. And, you know, I I think racial equity is very complicated as between males and females. Construction, as you know, I mean, we know is it's a male dominated industry, predominantly white male dominated industry. And then when you get to the women um, part, and as a lawyer, it's a lot of what I do has to it, it kind of piggy banks on a lot of compliance. So we run up against this situation where men have ta- have used 
allowed their wives to be used in a way that it benefits the men still, (laughs) right? So it's hard when you get to someone like you who has taken as a woman and uh, built a a, a construction company as a woman, that's a rarity. And so there's a conflict within me around the women issue in construction because for the women who it's really them that are running companies and out there doing it, that is a rare thing that should be applauded and and supported. Um, but there are people who abuse any system. And so we've seen how that has been used. And when you marry diversity to include uh, women and then racial equity, the women seem to win in that battle. And then the the color part of it becomes the, the lesser. But at the same time, I will say that due to historical uh, discrimination and issues, that minority um, people of color and Black people in particular have um, sustained a lot of injustice. But because of those things that are uh, connected to running a company, for example, access to capital, you know, and, and even understanding how important your credit is, or just things like that that are basic to running a business, the impact of historical racism has not leveled the playing field, right? So in order to run a, a, a thriving company, you need a lot of components. And because of historical things, I think a lot of the min- uh, Black minorities have been prejudiced against. And um, I think that's why I have a passion to help in that regard. But at the same time, women who are um, really serious about, you know, have the intelligence to do it. I find that women run in construction companies are typically better run companies. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely pro women running uh, companies, but I also understand that there's a whole list of, uh, of, of things that need to be worked on. And when I'm involved, you know, the accountability first goes to you, uh, Patricia. And the reason why you are special to me is because you take on that accountability and you manage your business in a way that's going to lead to success. Now, it's not to say that bad things have not happened to you, but you always operate from a place of integrity and fairness. And you, you know, you care about your employees, you care about other people and you try to do the right thing. And, you know, those are the people that I really want to support. If you're interested in, you know, finding excuses and not operating in excellence, it's very hard for me to to work with you because I'm going to hold you accountable to being excellent at what you do. And that maybe isn't even the standard that others have to live by, but it's the standard we have to live by. Right. Yeah. In order to achieve. Right. No, neither neither you nor I have a shield in the excuse that I'm a woman. This is a male dominated industry and uh, I'm, I'm this and the other. It's, it's more about, like you said, the accountability and, and working hard. And, but sometimes there's people that even though they do the, all the right things, they don't have the necessary opportunity. Right. And right? those are the people I want to fight for. OK, if you're doing the right things, then we can work together. But there's right. so much. It's such a complicated situation because, you know, um, even as we do um, certifications of, of contractors, 
you know, there's a complete difference between certification and qualification, right? So I'm, I'm very focused on being qualified. And then let's talk about how to take someone who's qualified and take them to the next level. And, you know, the reality is race matters because there are people that will take it in a negative way that you are and female, you know, if being a female matters, these things all matter, but I see diversity as being an asset, not a disadvantage. And, you know, I, I try to live my life in gratitude, first of all, because I'm grateful. And, you know, I take the challenges that we face and see it as an opportunity rather than an excuse to be, to do poor behavior on my part. Right. So if someone is treating you poorly, that doesn't mean you stoop to their level and you then deliver poor products. You know, you continue to be excellent because that's who you are. Yeah. And that's how I feel about that. But, you know, I I understand both sides of the argument. My biggest concern, though, is that, you know, someone may have had a bad experience with someone who was basically taking crumbs and not really understanding the value that they should have brought to a situation. And then they paint with a broad brush. I'm never going to work with a woman again because I worked with one and it didn't work out. Generalizing. Well, right. right. And how many men have you worked with that it didn't work out? Millions. (laughs) But it doesn't matter because just one, one experience with one person does not qualify the entire female race as incompetent to do anything, nor does it make the entire race yeah. of we we of tend others. to generalize and and uh when something makes us uncomfortable i think it's it's a little bit it's the ego you know oh you think <laughs> <laughs> a little ego it's a lot of ego <laughs> yeah but you said you know what what do you think are the components to run a thriving construction company what's required it's funny because when i talk about surety we mentioned the fact that there are three things that sureties look at we call them the three c's so it's capital, capital. capacity and and character you know and the character well, credit, is, credit right well capital capital is in the credit you know, so it's money, you know, and if you have access to credit that goes into your capital bucket, you know, anything dealing with cash flow, uh, liquidity, all of those things are in the capital, whether you can get access to credit, you know, will will determine things. And I just think, you know, the, the first thing that I when I'm talking to people, because I do a lot of teaching and uh, to smaller contractors. And I think the first question is, why are you doing it? You know, why are you in business? And I ask each person that works with me, what is your goal? You know, is your goal to run either a legacy business or a lifestyle? And I don't judge either. If you want to have a lifestyle business, that's great. But you don't need my help to do that. (laughs) What you need my help is if you want to build a legacy business, because that's when bonding is going to become an important part of what you do. And even if you don't choose to do bonded work, in any prequal, they're going to ask you what your bonding capacity is. So it, you're already cutting yourself out of the, the big picture if you don't understand all the key components that you need in order to be to have a thriving business. So, you know, it's important to have legal people around you. It's important to have a construction oriented uh, accountant around you. It's important to have insurance uh, people and uh, an insurance agent. And that's in terms of your GL and your auto and your business, you know, um, commercial property and, and those kinds of it, a workers comp. That's one type of insurance. And then it's important to have a surety person that actually 
understand surety as an agent and then a banker because you or some kind of financial consultant that's going to be a financier, someone who's going to provide you the, the needed capital. We always think that things are going to go well. And, you know, contractors are the most optimistic people in the world, honestly, because, you, you know, who, who else could, could think that you can do these amazing projects you do? You've got to really believe in yourselves. And sometimes it's over overboard. Like, you know, it's almost naivete at some point. It's like, you know, we, I have an a, example of um, someone told me of a guy who was in the military and he started a construction company when he came out of the military and he wanted a bond for $20 million. And they're like, you know, the sureties are like past performance. When did you build something that was 20 million? Before? I haven't, you know, I've never as a company, but hey, no I did this work all the time in the military, you know, like that doesn't equal you can run a business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think the other thing is, is that understanding that there are most people are great at their craft. You know, they have a specialty. They do something and do it really well. But that doesn't equal business acumen. So running a business takes business acumen. And so there's a disconnect sometimes between the person who's actually can can do the work and the person who's running the company. And as you know, you know, you have to surround yourself with people who can step in where you're weak because no one has all of everything, you know. If I ran a construction company, somebody would have to do the financial stuff. I mean, I don't even balance my checkbook, okay? So <laughs> I would never want to take on that responsibility, but I would want to find somebody that I actually trust and verify can can actually do the work. Absolutely. You know? I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I read a, a book early when I started the company, The E-Myth, and he, he talks about precisely that. When you are good at a craft, the entrepreneur path to a business. By basically, you're good at something and you're working for someone else and then you decide that you're making you know, you're doing this work for somebody else and they're making the money or something to that extent. You start your own company and you're good at the craft, but you became the entrepreneur. But after that, there's so much to it. It's not only the technical part and you're good at the technical, but not necessarily at running the business. There's so much to it. And in a construction company, it's not only building. There's building is only one component. But you're right, you know, the accounting, we're really here managing cost and mitigating risk. Mitigating risk. That's what a construction company is about. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't do that much building. <laughs> we do, but that's like, I, I but not as a case. CEO, that's not really your role. Well, absolutely. But, you know, the risk is everywhere. Yeah. There's even risk when you're not building anything oh you I know, know there's Believe there's me. risk uh, all the time so i'm a risk so manager about- you know by by trade so that's the thing and 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 some people see it as a, a negative you know like why are you always talking about all the the bad things negative. you know it's not i'm just a realist and i've seen that's the advantage of being a claim person is like I, I have seen how it goes wrong and you know i've and i always say in my classes you know the number one reason why contractors fail is that they take on too much work. That's really because they're going to run out of money. At some point, you're going to run out of money. You've taken on too much work and you can't keep it up. Somebody doesn't pay you timely. What's going to happen? 
you know, and that's really the biggest risk is managing your growth in a way that you can stay profitable and focusing on profitability because so many people don't even think about it. They think they want to win, right? That's it. I just want to win the work. I want to win a project. I want to be able to say I was on that. Well, the question is, are you going to make money? <laughs> you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I'll, I'll, I even learned, can tell you that I learned the hard way. And, and you're right. You start and you, you start doing good. And then, and then I guess the ego too, you know, you, you get more work and then you want more. It's like, instead of optimizing for making money, you're optimizing for revenue. And that does not get money in the bank. And that doesn't make you wealthy. No, it doesn't. So, and it doesn't. And, and, and I would say that probably is one of the biggest reasons why most construction companies fail. Because it's a high rate of companies that fail in this business. Yes, absolutely. What, what other reason do you think, uh, besides not having a focus on profit and not being able to manage growth, it's a, a reason for failure in this industry. Well, in this day and age, it's finding competent people to work with you, for you, you know, especially if you start, you know, if you're just starting out, it's really hard because sometimes the people who bring you or people you start with can't take you where you need to go, you know, because they're limited. And what I, one of the things that I've discovered over the last few years, or at least, you know, kind of focused on is that most people who are successful they're successful in their own mind. They're the most successful person they know, but they don't necessarily know that it, they're not the most successful people. You know what I mean? Like, it's a hard thing. And I think that's part of the ego part that you're, you're talking about, because I can get arrogant and I can be a 10 million, 20 million, $30 million contractor. And I think I'm really doing something. But the bottom line is $200,000 profit home. And then it's like, but that's not the lifestyle that that's not really going to get you to what you really think that you. And then we make poor choices because we take that profit and we buy a boat or we buy a much nicer car. And then it's the surface things, you know, the most successful people I know are very humble and they're multi multi-millionaire and you look at them and they're not looking like they're multi multi-millionaires. They're ordinary people working hard and they're saving money and they're able to do things for their family. You know, they can take a trip here or there. They can do some things, but they're not showy. They're not the showy people. And that's one thing I get nervous with people who are really showy because I'm like, it looks like all the money is going to the show and little is going into the bank. Right. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So I think it's, it takes discipline. Yeah. To, you know, to be successful takes discipline because cash is king and you got to keep it reinvesting in your business. So setting aside that money, when you make money, you, you reinvest it in your business. You, you find ways to get access to capital. You get your, you know, credit line set up. You don't use it. And it's easy to get credit when you have money, right? But and you don't wait. Me, yeah, you don't want to wait until you need the money to, to look for credit. Same thing. Credit and surety. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And when you need a loan, you can't get a loan, right? But when you don't need a loan, everybody's sending you emails and, and inviting you to loans. Well, you take on some loans sometimes. You know what? You you borrow and you pay back and you increase your 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 credit rating 
and you and people are like, just start throwing money at you at some point. You're like, I don't need any of this money. But you know what? Always prepare for a rainy day because the rain will come, yeah. you know, as you know, and it could be in a project. Someone doesn't honor their the terms and conditions. They withhold your money. You've got a whole payroll of people sitting out here. You're you're doing multiple jobs. You can't keep robbing pay, Peter to pay Paul. You know, you have to really be disciplined and have an approach. And when someone is treating you poorly because you're excellent at what you do, you need to confess quickly to your surety company and say, look, they're trying to take me out of business. I you know, you need to hire that lawyer. You know, don't rely on people's words. You got to be right on top of the documentation. That's another thing, Patricia. People will promise you everything, but if it's not in writing, it's worth nothing. You know, you always have to have in your mind, what if I have to face a judge? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a shame that we have to see the world that way. But if you sign a contract, you better have read it, you know? And a lot of people don't even read contracts. I'm like, you didn't read it? Does it have a pay when paid clause in it? Uh, I don't know. Oh, jeez. You know, maybe they didn't get paid. So you're not getting paid. The impact of these things. And, you know, that's why it's really key to have a lawyer always, you know. And if you're preparing to even get in business, a lot of people kind of fall into a business. You got to prepare to be in business. You got to have the money right. You got to have the insurance right. You got to have, you know, you set those things up. Yeah, it takes many, many moving parts to have. Uh... Most people don't follow that. They just get in business. But you're like, I have an LLC. I'm ready. You're not ready. And a lot of times, <laughs> and I want to go back to talk about people, but a lot of times people think, you know, and they see you as a CEO or you're, you own your company and they, you know, many people, you know, they're doing their thing and they believe for some reason the success of the company, it's because they of one of them or and there i've been a project manager before uh, as well and, and let me tell you to run a, a business there's so many moving parts and the level of character i always say this is this has been a spiritual journey for me if nothing else spiritually i have grown tremendously yeah because the wit and the perseverance and the tenacity that i have created and the level of appreciation even in the midst of the challenge it's second to none i mean i take that with me anywhere i go regardless right so this is something and the miracles that i've seen also yeah i've seen well, it's, in it's, my life yeah i think faith you ask you know what are what are some of the the key requirements i think it takes a lot of faith uh, to run a successful organization yeah. for sure yeah it does especially i think a construction company because you know risk is is at the door all the time it's knocking on your door all the time well you know somebody asked me that once you know what's the difference between it and construction i said life and death you know some people die on construction sites and you know it you can be doing your job it's it and do something wrong and it's not going to be a life and death situation but you know, construction is life and death. And that's why safety is always, you know, at the top and the forefront. And any great company, that's one of the things that I look at too, is what's going on with their safety. And and you'll find it in your insurance. You know, they're going to ask you, workers comp, what's your mod? You know, people are interested in that because it means something. If you're running a good company, your safety record should be pretty stellar. And if you're not, that's one of the 
key areas that you see people wind up pulling from, you know, and when there's something that goes wrong, believe me, there's going to be an investigation and there's going to be. And how do you go to that person and say, you know, that you're, you're the worker was on your project? You know, that's a devastating thing to have to report. Oh, that, that, let me tell you, know. you, and people sometimes it's safety is, is so huge. I mean, we've had projects with we've seen them right in the news. These projects, God forbid, you know, uh, we have a good AMR, by the way, safety record in construction it's emr right so i don't know if you want to give a little bit of an explanation for the people that don't know what uh, an emr is no i think you should tell them (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's that actually you know when i started the company sometimes you might not even have done anything wrong but a, a worker might decide that they have a back pain today and try to get you with a claim and that can affect you there might not even be an issue so the EMR, though, it's used in the industry as um, to measure your safety record as a company. And based on that, your insurance, the, the cost of the insurance is set. And based on that, your payroll is affected and your bottom line also. Uh, on the contrary, when you have a good record, you even get discounts. credits, but yeah. you, your, your discounts, your clients to get work. The, the EMR is one of the questions to evaluate if you are the right company for them. You know, especially us, if we do military work and government work is very important. Very, very important. Yeah. Talk about people. So one of the most important things to be successful is your people. I could not agree more with you. You can have the best safety record. You can have the, uh, all the money you want. You can have all the relationships, the banking, the insurance. You know, you're set. But the people, I think to me, when in our company, in our construction industry, we are manufacturing industry. You know, we can't do anything without people. Right. People is the most important element of what we do. And, uh, I have come to the to the realization that in our industry, Joan, is the second highest rate in suicide. Mm. And I believe we as an as an industry have not given people the 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 priority and the intention and the important importance that it, it, it merits. We focus on the safety of the people, let's say, but but the, the mental side of it, you know, what the industry does to the person in the interaction, in projects, and anyone involved in the industry knows how stressful it can be. You know, I've come to the realization that we can do more and we need to do more because being the second highest in suicide tells me that my impression of the pain and suffering in construction, it's, it's real. And so what, what, what can you say about that? I, if I knew the answer, I would definitely tell you, um, you know, I, well, I think it, it, that in America uh, overall, mental health, you know, is there's so many issues. And, and because of COVID on top of it, you know, there's just been such isolation and people are, I mean, just desperate things that are that people are feeling there. You know, again, for me, this is another one of these faith questions, because for me, that's what it all comes back to for me. But as an industry, you know, I think we just have to provide more resources and more of an understanding and more of an appreciation for it. People are not disposable. It's hard. It's attitudinal. 
normal, I think, you know, and just like you're saying, there are people who are bad people. They're bad people. So, you know, if they're running their business, I, I, I would find it hard to believe that they can really be so successful and also be horrible at the same time. You know, I think that at some point it, it's going to show up in some way that there is a problem. So, you know, if you're not treating your people well, then everything else will kind of fall apart at some point in time. And, you know, yeah, it's difficult. I think when you have a small business, it's maybe more manageable in that, you know, you have to take the time and you have to develop your people and you have to make them feel like they're adding some value to you and, you know, and that there's value. You know, the biggest problem in a lot of these instances is that people do get injured and they wind up with painkillers and then they wind up with, they can't get access to the drugs that they need. And then it's just overwhelming to them. So it's, it, there. all of these things are intertwined and I'm not a, an, an expert. And so I can't really speak to how do we cure mental illness in construction. But what I can say is that, you know, every day, if we treat our people, you know, it's about leadership in a sense, you know, the same yeah. qualities you have as a leader, you know, if you have compassion for your people, but at the same time, you know, people take advantage of you too. So it's very difficult to, to, to manage people. Definitely. It's not easy, but I believe a lot of it comes down to lack of connection, you know, Lack of connection and not connecting to who we are, not connecting to the other person that is working with me. You know, we think a, a lot of it is just the transaction. And I think when we connect and engage and like you said, have that, that empathy, we're able to bring the other person in, into the mission. You know, I, a lot of it also it's, it's lack of clarity as companies. You know, we, we owe it to ourselves and to everyone in our not only our inside the company, but outside, uh, even with a client to to have a level of clarity as to what's the goal, what's the outcome, what do we want, what's the mission, who are we impacting, what's our impact to the world? Well, that communication side of it, yeah. Well, you know, and the question is, do you feel a responsibility? Because that's, I think that we are quickly getting to the point where there are two kinds of people. There are people who just care about themselves and there are people who care about other people, you know? I always say I try to run with people who are running, right? So I naturally try to go to people who I feel that connection with. And then I know together we're both, uh, uh, you know, accomplishing something. But, you know, it is it's taking the time to really get to know people, to understand what it is they want. Because what I want for you, Patricia, means nothing if you don't want it for yourself, you know. And that it was a tough lesson that I learned, too, in this business is I can't want more for you than you want for yourself. That you're, because I, it won't get done. We're always so connected. You are absolutely right. I, I just said that to somebody here. I typically see the person, an employee, I see the potential in the person. Like I see it, but what I see has nothing to do with what the person can do because if they don't feel it for themselves, it doesn't matter. I mean, I can give all the species in the world and it's just not going to work. So 
you've said it beautifully. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and it hurts too, because you can see it, you know, you're like, but you could be this. And they're just like looking at you like, or there's a disconnect because they think they are that person. And you're like, but you're not performing that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it, it's hard. What, and, and how do you deliver that tough message, which is you think you're awesome and I think you're marginal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, I also learned that the hard way. You know what I have come to learn? There's a book, Who? Now, now what, right? Who? It, it's, it's been, it brought along an amazing light and mentor that I have also, uh, Keith Cunningham, that uh, we went through a process of developing scorecards for every single employee and a talent map that the level of clarity there as to what I believe this role should be doing and the conversation around that, that took that topic away. Because once you have that conversation, before you're hiring, you know, there's all the questions that needed to arise, arise there. And that brings accountability to, to a whole new level. And, and uh, because I've had those issues, I think this, you think that, and we're like, this marriage is not right. Work. That's why I said that's why there's a high level of divorce was what went through my mind when you were saying it. I'm like, yeah, because you're two human beings coming with different total background, you know, how you were raised, how you, you know, all your experiences, you bring all of that to work with you every day. And, you know, some people are just like, they always think they're paranoid. Somebody's trying to get me, you know, they're trying, you, you're, you're out to, to ruin me. I'm like, what is, where'd that come from? Because anybody who knows me, I'm not trying to ruin anybody. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if that's how they perceive things, you know, you're just like, this is not a match because that negative energy, I, I don't do well with negative energy. I, I need positive energy around me. I agree and that's that. not to say that you can't deal with mistakes or issues, but I think as an, as an employer and as a, a leader, you know, it is, it behooves us to provide all the tools for success. Now, whether someone takes advantage of them that's a different story. And that's what I say, you know, if I'm, if I see that there's something lacking and then we have, you have to be open and transparent with people. And that's the hard part because most people don't tell anyone the truth. So that's why people who don't perform well, they go on to their next job because no one said you really weren't good. And, you know, that's love, right? Is right. Trying to help people become the best that they can be. So if I see something in you and, and it's not a pleasant topic, you know, I would say, Patricia, you know, I love you. And this is why I'm telling you this, because I want you, you could be so much better if you manage this situation differently, you know? Not a lot and of people you, can take that. And most people don't invest in other people's in that level. So when we're talking about mental health, I mean, if you're delusional and you think you're awesome and you really suck at your job, you know, how, where do we find middle ground here? Because you're believing yeah. a whole different set of facts than I, I believe. Absolutely. You know? yes, to me, it comes down to clarity um, and transparency and accountability. And like you're saying, having those crucial conversations. And I've, I've learned how to do that myself. But like, as you said, you know, we started a company and we don't necessarily have those tools from the beginning. So if I had to recommend somebody something to someone, even if they don't have a company it would be to develop those skills to have crucial conversations mm -hmm. with empathy, but empathy to the person and empathy to yourself, because yeah. both are important. Wait, I just want to say one more thing about family too. 
because that's the other thing is a lot of small businesses, they start and they bring in their family members. Oh. And that's the hardest discussion when you have a, a family member who's not performing, you know, because you're attached to them. So, you know, not everybody is cut out to be part of your 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 business. And, you know, when it's time to have that conversation with a with a family member, there's a lot more at risk because they're your family. But it's even more important that you have those conversations, because I've seen it where, you know, somebody doesn't do well because they didn't get rid of someone in their family that was toxic to their situation. And, you know, if somebody doesn't care about your business and they think you owe them something, that's a problem. It's very, very difficult to work with family members. Very, 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 very difficult. Uh, I've I've done it myself. You know, Emilio and I work together, actually. And I think we're blessed because you have to have the business and then you have to think about the, the, the relationship and, and you've got to, you have to be able to talk about these things. Otherwise it's going to eat you alive and it's going to ruin either the relationship or the marriage, marriage or both. I'm sorry, either the relationship or the business, one or the other or both. So you know what? Every person that goes in business hire somebody in their family because I guess they don't have the money. And so it's, it's a trend, but you don't have, then you don't have the tools to really understand. And the, in that clarity, because if, if you were hiring this person with a scorecard and say, this is what I want, this is what I need in this business, then that person has the choice to say yes or no. But a lot of times this person thinks is they're helping you. Right. And now you owe them. And then when they see that you're doing well, then they expect some when they're not taking the risk in the business, either, right? They're not the ones that every day they're up in the middle of the night wondering whether we're going to make it through this thing. It's your cousin. It, I just and it could be an employee that you you know, they always say that what gets you is the person that you did not fire on time. It's very expensive. And I I think, you know, nobody wants to fire somebody, but a lot of times it doesn't do a favor to you nor the person either. Your capabilities, you know, like some people, they may have something that is helpful at that moment, but you can outgrow their capabilities if they don't grow along with the company. And that's part of the problem. You know, they've got to still want to be able to believe in what you're doing and be willing to expand their knowledge base not to so that they can continue to to be an asset right and you're right you you said that beautifully because you you also mentioned before when you hire as a business owner you hire the person you're the one that knows the most it's a problem when you just surround yourself with people that know more than you especially around your weaknesses, it's an issue. And so it's hopefully, and I guess mistakes and failures are given, you know, are part of the process too. There's no way we're going to prepare for all, for everything. But the one thing that I have realized that has been very crucial for me, it's been growth internally and in all areas of my life, especially spiritual, because that's what anchors me. (laughs) I don't think I could do it that's me. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, I want to ask you about the women on business certification, because we kind of touched on this when, when, when they say it's a women on business and I agree with you, you know, I, you know how 
you know the things that we have to do to stay in business, right? And the things that we have to have in order, and the things we have to do to get a job, just to even get the, the award. That doesn't mean that we finished on time, on budget, and we made money. I mean, it, it, it doesn't mean that. So one time we were bidding a project, $10 million job, and we, in my opinion, got the best number, the, but we were not first. The company that got the business, I find out, the third person in the price calls me and say, you have to protest because she was a women-owned, full-blown company. This person that got the job, I know this lady, and she doesn't have a company. She operates out of a truck. She doesn't have employees. She's just with a large company and they're using her certification. Mm -hmm. And this is not fair. This is set aside women owned. And, you know, we have to do so many things to stay in business, but we're really competing with a large company yep. that, and this women, woman is not doing anything to really grow as a company. So there's no, there's really nothing helping her grow. And, you know, I didn't protest formally, but I did say a few things. And you know what? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> did said anything, did anything, because the, the, the law says they, they went by the, <laughs> by the book. And so it was frustrating because you're really not competing with, and you were saying that there's women that the, the, the husband has a company and puts the women there, woman there, and so on. And that's true. To me, I, I've said before in public that to me, that's prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> because really the government puts these plants in place to, to grow an area, right? To bring more diversity oh, into the world, into right. an area of business. And that's a disfavor to the goal that that was put in place for that woman-owned business set aside. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be the case that people do, <laughs> whatever the rule is, people break the rules. You know, and so that's the, that's the problem. The problem is and then there's a question of enforcement of that, you know, and people get away with a lot of things. Now, I will say, too, that disproportionately they will pursue the minority businesses that are uh, based on race more than they will the women, <laughs> because that's just the way life works out. So, you know, the enforcement of, of the rules aren't even done in an, in an equal and fair way. But, you know, th that's where I start with what is it that you're really trying to achieve in a business? And there are people that are just here to try to make money and they don't really care and they don't really follow the rules and they're not really trying to grow something that they can be proud of and pass on. They're saying, I just want to take this money and do it as I want to. You know, you can't really change people. But what I can say is that I believe that the rules should be followed. And, you know, uh, there's supposed to be an opportunity that there's investigations that are supposed to take place. When people are certified, there's certain things that are supposed to be done. But there are fraudulent people in the world and, and they're not of good character. And I just try to tell everyone to just, it's so much easier to be honest, isn't it? I mean, I, to tell a lie, you can't even remember what I, I can't remember what I say. So I can't lie because I have, to, I, I can't keep up with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's too much to remember. If you have to, if you lie, you have to remember too much. And I'm not even capable of remembering at this point. So, you know, I think in the long run, it's really about your character and your ethics and, you know, doing those things that are right. 
I do believe that if you're trying to run a business and all you do is um, you're a front, you know, for somebody else, you know, you're really not running a business. I know, but it it happens. I mean, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Well, you have to be honest. I got, I have been called. Uh, I remember when, when the economy, the recession, I was just starting and we had a call from a large company saying, Oh, we have a uh, women on set aside. We, you know, we need, we have this job and, and so on. And they said, how much do you want? And I'm like, what do you mean? Send me the drawing so I can give you a price. No, no, no. We only want you to, we yeah. only want a, a percentage. I'm like, what? I need to sleep, darling, that the law doesn't allow that. So I hang up the phone. They never, you know, right. I've never. And you know what? It's ridiculous. To me, it's an insult. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I, the question I is what? No, no, I, I mean, I'm an engineer. I have a master in construction management. I have a company. What do you mean? It's an insult. I, what, to me, that's prostitution. But I'm what sorry. I'm saying to you is that you are an engineer. You're qualified to do what you do. The other people aren't. <laughs> That's the problem that they didn't go. If they were, they'd be legitimate. That's part of the problem. It's that they're picking people who are not legitimate to, yeah. to do yeah. things because they know that they're not legitimate. You know, it's just the way that it is. But I what I what I what I can say is this to bring value to your business, even in a partnership. You know, the thing is, is that I want and it sounds more, you know, Pollyanna ish, maybe, but. I do believe that in the end, if you actually want to grow your business, you want to be in a position to make the choices of who you work with and for. And, you know, when you understand that piece, that's pretty much the biggest knowledge. You know what? I have seen or heard how this owner operates or this GC operates. I don't want to work with them because I'm not that person. I bring true value when I get to the table and, you know, I'm, and I get to choose. That's the advantage of being an entrepreneur, right? You can say no to any project that comes your way. And what I, what I find is that small businesses don't have the confidence sometimes to say no. And then they worry. They're like, because if I say no to this, then they'll never come back to me again. You know what? That could be the best thing that ever happened to you is you never hear from them again, you know? And that's the part where that's the faith in me that if God is going, if it's for me, it's for me. I absolutely know and believe that. And even if you're doing a great job and bad things happen on that, that doesn't mean that, you know, God has forgotten you. There's a lesson that you're going to learn in everything. And I can look back over so many things, you know, and I, and I'm just like, God, if that didn't happen, then this and this and this would not have been allowed to happen either. Absolutely. So take it all in stride, but try to stay as close to the straight and narrow as you can. And, you know, avoid because once you do it once, you're you kind of sold yourself out, like you're saying, and you're you have no value at that point and you're trash, you know, it's over. No, I agree with you. And I and I and I've been blessed too. There's a lot of projects that whatever doesn't come my way, it's not meant for me. And whatever comes you. that it say thank you. And <laughs> and I do and whatever that comes that it's painful, there's there's a huge lesson of transformation as well. So 
I, I am so grateful to you. Thank you so much for dedicating this time to initiate this to our podcast. I think, we, you know, we want to bring more clarity, attract more people into our industry that has a, a shortage of labor and let people really understand what this industry is about. Yeah, I think there's tremendous opportunities for women and you just have to, yeah, like, you know, gird yourself and, and understand that everything isn't always going to be when you're an entrepreneur, and especially in construction, there's more things that go wrong than right most of the time, <laughs> you know, and it's just part of the, the flow. So just see that as normal. And then you your reaction to it can be managed, you know, you think? Yes. Thank you. All right, Patricia. Thank you. Thank it's you so much. Pleasure. I All love right. you. Love you too. God bless. <laughs> <laughs>